0: You can learn more and register for the marathon
1: at everywomansmarathon.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
2: Hey, I'm Sam Sanders, and you are listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. We've got a great show for you this week. So much pop culture to talk about, including a new book from the most famous non-royal around. We'll discuss Prince Harry's new memoir, Spare. Gosh, probably the best name of a book ever. I'm going to talk about that a bit later. But first, a game with a very special guest, Taylor Guerin. Hello, Taylor. Tell folks who you are.
3: Hi, Sam. Thanks for so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, My name's Taylor. I'm the former uh, deputy editor at Reductress, a former editor at The Onion, current stand-up and writer based in New York, but about to move to Los Angeles. Very exciting.
2: Well, let me tell you something. Don't come this week. It is Noah's Ark up out here.
3: I was going to say, y'all are getting like biblical-level floods. What'd you guys do? I mean, I'm not doing nothing. I'm here (laughs) at the house.
2: (laughs) what you doing? I mean, you know what? The hardest thing about it all is that like... My dog, who is just old and stuck in her ways, she doesn't like to number one or number two in the rain. I don't blame her. So I've I've kept my doors to the backyard open, this entire atmospheric river, but she just won't go outside and pee. Oh, so she's been thing. holding it, and I'm like, you do what you got to do, but just know this is not my fault.
3: Oh, that's sad. Poor old lady. So
2: besides that, I'm surviving. could be worse. You know, anywho. Going to play the game in a bit, but I I have to ask, since we are talking about this new Prince Harry memoir this week later in the show, Sure, I got to ask, are you going to read the book? Are you going to get it? Are you into it? Is it comedic fodder for you? Are you at all into all things Harry and Meghan?
3: Here's the thing. I'm not really into like the royal family at all. I think it's a little bit childish uh, in this day and age to be like, oh, I'm a queen. Oh, I'm a king. I'm a, I'm a prince. <laughs> like y'all are in your 30s and 40s. Like let's grow up at this point. You <laughs> and know? the jewels but, are
2: stolen. BTW. Th-
3: okay. But that's that's besides the whole like, uh, but, like <laughs> colonialism aspect of it all. That's like a totally different story. I just think it's a little bit immature to still be playing queens and kings and princes and princesses uh, as an adult. But I do love, you know, somebody barking back at kind of an antiquated and like traditional system that they were raised in uh, to much, you know, kind of kerfuffle. So I respect that about him. I probably won't read the book. I'm happy that he's, I'm happy that he's speaking up and I'm happy that uh, it's his wife that's pushing him to do it. I kind of love that.
2: (laughs) What if she is the mastermind behind all of this, to which I say, touche.
3: 100%.
2: (laughs) Anywho, anywho. uh, Let's get to it, huh?
3: Yeah, let's definitely do it.
2: This game is called... Into it or not into it? It's very simple. I share a few stories from the week of pop culture from the Zeitgeist. And you just tell me if you're into them or not and why. Sounds great. And at the end, I will tell you what your score is, if you've won or not, based on what I think of your opinion.
3: Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm but, excited about this. I love okay. having my opinions judged, truly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. First question for you. Are you into or not into the little evil devil doll movie that could? I am talking about Megan M. Threegan.
4: Ever since I was little, I dreamed of this perfect toy that would protect a kid from ever feeling lonely or sad. This is Megan.
5: Hi, Megan. I'm Katie. It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out?
2: Did you watch it? Are you into it? Did you like it?
3: Okay, so I'm so happy you asked, first of all.
5: Uh,
3: I saw Megan, M3gan, I'm going to call it Megan. I saw it last night. No, me too. Oh my goodness, I, yo, twinsies. I honestly adored it. Like, I am not a super huge fan of like horror movies. Uh, it was hilarious, like so funny, so campy, very uh, kind of on the nose designed to reach my particular demographic of uh, young people and People who are very online, people who are on the, the, part of the LGBTQ community. It's, it's, it was very much designed for me and my peers. Um, and I'm eating it right up. Um, Listen, yeah. So yeah. very much into it, I will say.
2: So for those who have been living under a rock and don't know what we're talking about, Megan was the box office juggernaut this past weekend in the U.S. The film made more than $30 million in its first weekend in the U.S. alone, and it only cost $12 million to make. It is another instance of, yet again, horror films doing really, really well in movie theaters this film was kind of like an inverse Chucky like in the Child's Play movies the doll mm. was like out to kill the kid and everybody but in Megan the doll is out to protect the kid and will kill anyone else to do so yeah but let me tell you baby it worked yep it kind of checked all my boxes. It's horror, which I always love. It's camp, which I always love. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it feels queer AF, which I love. And it's got Allison Williams, who actually is the perfect scary white woman in whatever she does.
3: I agree. And obviously oh, we yeah. saw we, we saw her in Get Out and she like killed it. But it's just like there's something about the look in her eyes that I'm just like, something, you, you're up to something.
1: Where are those keys,
4: Rose? You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe?
3: It, but it, oh god, it just had everything. Action. It had a, a Sia cover. It had um, you know the fashion. The it Sia had, cover. That shit. That was actually the maybe the creepiest part of the whole film for me. I was like, please stop. <laughs> At singing one point like this. in
2: the movie, the bionic evil four foot tall doll Megan sings to the actual child a weird creepy doll cover of Sia's. Which song was it? Titanium. It was
3: Titanium. Yep. <laughs> oh, it was so good. It was, yeah, work of art in my opinion. Fun fact: also written by a black woman. She also wrote *Malignant*. Ayla Cooper, um, huge fan. So we love it. I had to stand regardless, but I'm glad we that stand. it was also a good a good movie because I, you know, now I can stand. Uh, I can stand ten toes down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I haven't had this much fun in the movies since I saw the new Minions film earlier this year.
3: Oh wow, I haven't seen yeah. Minions, but I. I imagine it's on the other end of the spectrum in terms of just like just turn your brain off and enjoy this. There you go. Just <laughs> don't enjoy think too it. Hard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know what I want? You know what I really want? I want a Marvel style cinematic universe in which both Megan and Lydia Tar are a part of it.
3: <gasps> Whoa. Okay.
2: I need like a sequel okay. where the two of them like pair up and like wreak havoc. Is that even possible?
3: I don't know. I want to see Megan's parents. I wanna see adult. Oh. I wanna see adult Megan's. I wanna see a Megan dog. Uh, I wanna see <laughs> no, Me- not I wanna see Megan's black best friend, I wanna see which they <laughs> didn't which they did imply was possible. They said they had six different skins.
2: Six different skin tones. <laughs> oh, I my I was like, goodness.
3: well, show them. So let's see them, but it's fine.
2: <laughs> Next question. Are you into or not into just weeks before her Super Bowl halftime performance, Rihanna dropping a new kind of football-themed clothing collection.
3: Before I uh, give my final into it, not into a verdict on that, can I ask a follow-up question? Yes. Do we know who is modeling for the collection? Only asking. Because as we both probably know, recently there were some less than savory uh, characters uh, uh, who modeled on her fashion week.
2: Oh, yeah. She had like Johnny Depp doing the the last show, right?
3: Yeah. So it's like not that I'm ever mad at Rihanna getting a bag, even if it's not giving us more music. I'm like, do whatever you have to do. You're a mother. But I don't it's it's I, I think it's kind of dependent on like who is involved.
2: Also, not that you're a mother. She's she's going to be fine with that kid, whether or not Johnny Depp was <laughs> she's in her show.
3: Quite literally a billionaire. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I will I will say into it with the caveat that she makes better decisions about who uh, are modeling the clothes cuz uh-huh. i'm not mad at i'm not mad at a gimmick to like make a little money do your thing we like ah. am i am i a fan of capitalism no but do we live under it yep <laughs> like, so I'm not it, a fan
2: of capitalism, but I'm a fan of Rihanna, you know? Sure,
3: 100%. There we go. 100 I will mm-hmm. say,
2: what we do know about this uh, game day collection so far, uh, Billboard says the sporty drop is going to feature 17 styles from hoodies to boxers, sweatpants, two-tone varsity jerseys, beanies, bandanas, and tube tops, with sizes ranging from extra, extra small to 4X. And one of the pieces is a white graphic tee with the following message, quote, Rihanna concert interrupted by a football game. Weird, but whatever. <laughs> let, let, let me tell
6: you, Taylor. Oh
3: my.
2: Let me tell you something. I'm
3: Please worried.
2: Tell me. <laughs> I'm worried, and let me tell you why. Um, our Barbadian queen, Rihanna, hasn't done live shows in a few years. Mm. Okay, that's true. It's been a few years. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need her to get her head right, mm. get in the game, mm-hmm. work on that choreo. And make the make the show what it needs to be. Stop worrying with these clothes and this makeup, Miss Fenty. You that's got to so learn true. your steps. You that's got so to learn true. your steps. If Ooh, you come on, really if point. you do that halftime show and don't get these steps right, I'm going to be upset. Like he, ugh, I just gosh. don't know if Rihanna can multitask like that because after years of not giving us songs, mm-hmm. her first like return song was that little sad, sad, sad ballad from the new Black Panther.
0: Oh,
3: yeah.
2: And it was horrible.
3: (laughs) I'm worried, Taylor. Lift me up. Hold
4: me down.
2: I need to know that Rihanna is going to give it her all and give Mm. me what I need from her, which is Rihanna Bob's.
3: Yes. I Okay, you know what? In, no, in uh, reflecting on what you just said, I'm going to change. I'm going to change what? I'm going to change my into it to not into it. I need her to focus. Oh, you're trying to win
2: this game. You're trying no, to win I this game.
3: No, no, no. You, I, you just, you, you raise an excellent point. I am not somebody okay. who can't admit when I was wrong. I love admitting okay. when I was wrong. I love learning. Okay. I love growing as a person. Yes. And I was wrong. Not into it.
2: Okay. Not into it. Mm-hmm. Last question. Are you into or not into Anna Delvey, one of the greatest scammers of her time. Love
3: a scammer. Getting
2: a reality show to share her side of the story.
3: I think I'm going to say not into it, and I'll tell you why. I kind of came of age during a a beautiful time period for reality television. And this just doesn't sound like it's going to bring the drama for me in the way that my my mother, my father, my, my godmother, my god, uh, Tiffany Pollard, um, would have done it. Oh, my God. I'm Tiffany Pollard, but if you watch The Flavor of Love, then you know me as Miss New York. Yeah.
1: New York is in the wow. house.
3: I also am going to say, I think the scamming thing, I think it might be a little overdone. I think we might have reached um, reached saturation for scamming in the zeitgeist, and we got some great scamming podcasts. We got some great scamming television shows, we and, and we got some great scamming uh, Twitter threads, etc., I think that I might be over it. I think it might be time to move on to the next one. So I'm going to say not into it.
2: Okay. I hear Mm -hmm. that. I hear that. So for folks who might not recall who Anna Delvey is, uh, she was... The ultimate New York City scammer, she posed as an heiress in New York and scammed a bunch of socialites and scammed a bunch of hotels and scammed a bunch of banks by creating this illusion of wealth. And then she was arrested as part of this, like, sting operation. The whole thing became a big New York magazine piece, which became a hit Netflix show made by Shonda Rhimes.
6: I want you to know
3: that's not me at all. I'm not some party girl.
1: I'm trying to build a business.
2: Okay. And now, Anna Delvey out of jail, she says that she wants to develop a reality TV project to kind of share her side of the story. Her lawyer says it's going to deal with her art and design as a person and a talented artist. But here's the thing. They haven't found a production company or a network yet. No one is biting yet. And I kind of feel like nobody will. By the time I finished that Shonda Rhimes show, I was totally over Anna Delvey. I had Mm. had enough. Mm -hmm. What other grifter? Would you like to see get their own reality show to share their side of the story? If okay, not I, actually,
3: I have two uh, right off the top of my head. One oh, is uh, I have uh, Doctor Love. Are you familiar? Who is Doctor Love? So he is like this. He must be like twenty five, but since he was like seventeen, he is this uh, this guy in Florida who has been pretending to be a doctor and offering like oh, doctor the, services oh, the and black keeps teenager. getting arrested. Yes, and keeps getting arrested <laughs> for like funny opening clinics. Yeah, and like <laughs> th- he's gotten arrested like I think it's like 3 times now and he has not stopped and I'm just like that is fascinating to me tell me more. Um and also did you read th- this thread on this woman who um she was like a kind of cheesy romance novel writer and she was getting I guess made fun of and so she took her own life, very sadly. Um, her daughter, oh. like, tried to sell off some of her books posthumously. This was mm-hmm. in 2020. It came mm-hmm. out last week when Stop. the woman who had Stop. allegedly taken her own life Stop. came back Stop. on Facebook and said, look, my family made some mistakes. I here. want to start over. I'm still here.
2: I need, okay, I need the docuseries series." The second docuseries on Hulu not Netflix. I need need a scripted show. I need need a (laughs) spin-off. I need a movie. I need the Oprah special. I need the Jennifer Hudson Daytime special. I need
3: Barbara Walters to reanimate and come back and and, (laughs) and I I and I'm not being funny, like I'm not trying to disrespect the dead or anything, but like she's the only one I trust. I need to get to the bottom of this.
2: Well, we have reached the end of the game, and I think we're pretty much in alignment. Oh wow. And because I was able to change your opinion on one of the topics, I give you not just a win. But uh, the grand crown <gasps> of Intuit, not Intuit. I just made oh that up, my but gosh. take it.
3: <laughs> no, I, I will take, a, oh my gosh, I am honored. I, I'm going to start crying. Oh my God, sorry. Like, <laughs> like this, It means so much to me. What an honor.
2: Uh, Taylor, tell our listeners where they can find you.
3: Sure. Um, you can find my work on Reductress. Uh, you can, I, I wrote and co directed and starred in a film that premiered at Tribeca in 2021. It's called As of Yet. It's now streaming on iTunes and Stars. I also recently did a guest starring role on Abbott Elementary, uh, episode nine. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at, at Taylor G A R R O N.
2: With that, listeners, stay with us after the break. We are going to talk about other members of a royal family, not our royal queen of Intuit, not Intuit, Taylor Guerin.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, friend. Come back soon.
3: Thank you so much, Sam.
1: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— V-A-N-29.com.
2: Listeners, question for you. How often have you thought about the state of Prince Harry's member, his penis? Did you know that it's circumcised? Did you know that it was once frostbitten? Well, now you know. And this week, the whole world knows, because those are just a few of the details that Prince Harry shares about his life and the royal family— in his new memoir, Spare. And I must say again, Spare is perhaps the most perfect name for this book. You know, with all things royals at this point, part of me is totally over it, all the royal family drama. But the other part of me, the larger part of me, will never ever get tired of the drama. So to work through all of that, and my conflicted feelings about Meghan and Harry, and all of them, I've got two royal experts with me now to talk about this stuff. Hello to you both. Tell our listeners who you are.
6: I am happy to. I am Rachel Bowie. I am co-host with the lovely Roberta Fiorito of the Royally Obsessed Podcast, a gallery media group production. And it. Is We have episodes that go live every single Thursday. Roberta and I have been royally obsessed for most of our lives, actually. Yeah, and I'm Roberta,
4: and Rachel is also my lovely, not only co-host, but co-author of a book, Royal Trivia, that we wrote in 2021.
2: Before we get into all the questions I have about all this stuff, I do got to say, did you expect to have to be thinking about Prince Harry's wee-wee this week? (laughs)
6: Not in the slightest, I will say. And also not as soon. I really had it in my calendar. And I think Roberta was the same. January 10th. It's like you're easing into a new year. And with all the leaks and the advanced copies that were, that got out in the Spanish translations, it was a total shock.
2: Yeah. Well, and that also felt kind of dubious. So, you know, they tried to keep the lock on this book for as long as they could, but apparently, accidentally, in Spain, uh, a version of the book was like actually sent to bookstores too early, hence all the leaks. What's that about?
4: I mean, I just feel bad because I feel like all these British journalists have been translating the Advanced release Spanish copies. And like we Rachel and I were joking, like, did it say frostbitten penis, or did it say something else? And that's just a weird translation of the word.
2: Like what also, once it frostbites, you don't get it back, right?
6: <laughs> What's going on over there? That's- I mean, Harry got it back. I think we can okay. confirm from reading okay. the actual text. He tried, I believe it was Elizabeth Arden Cream, and he in full recovery. <gasps> wait, it took wait time.
2: Whoa, 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 stop. He said what he, Elizabeth Arden Cream.
6: On his own, but then he went to a medical professional. There (laughs) is context (laughs) to this story, I promise. There's context.
2: (laughs) I love it. I mean, I don't love it. It's really weird, but I'm obsessed with it. So first, (laughs) from what y'all know so far of the book, what tidbit has been the most cringe from Spare?
4: I think I have to say the virginity story. And I know Harry acknowledges, It's only four lines in the book. Like, it's not like you have to suffer through the painful details of losing Harry's virginity. But it, just to me, even those little details, it was behind a busy pub. It was in a field. You know, she spanked his ass afterward. Like, it just, it's so cringe.
2: Wait, tell us the whole four (laughs) lines because I didn't know about this yet. So he tells the story of the time he lost his virginity. What is the story?
4: The story is, I guess it was an older woman, he was behind this really busy pub, the the British media have already snooped out which pub that was, I guess, I don't know, (laughs) I think it's called the Rattlebone Pub, which I was like, there couldn't be anything more
7: appropriate
4: than the Rattlebone Pub. But yeah, it was in a field, and I guess this woman... Had an affection for horses, and <laughs> I think a lot of British people are horse people, and so <laughs> she, um, yeah, took his virginity and say it, Roberta. Treated what him was like the line? A, treated him like a young stallion.
2: <laughs> she called him a stallion.
4: She treated him like a young stallion,
2: and then she slapped his butt at the end. You said,
4: and then she and then she spanked him at the end. Oh
2: my lord, wow. <laughs> okay, that's definitely most cringe. We got the most cringe. That's the most <laughs> kind of TMI to word. with that one. Yeah. Next, which tidbit wins for most tear jerky?
6: I feel like it's anything to do with Diana. I mean, he talks, we really, if you start reading the book, it's right out of the gate. You're really hearing about the circumstances of when he found out that Diana passed, where the Mm. car accident happened, his disbelief, his belief that she was still alive, but in hiding. Oh my goodness. And how that carried on for years. I think also just kind of the, um, the level of detail he shares something that totally took me by surprise reading the book is that one of Diana's sisters brought back locks of Diana's hair and gave it to William and Harry in a box. Oh my and god. that was Oh my god. Comp- should have been confirmation for Harry that she was not alive but for him it just still wasn't. I also think the fact that he needed to see the police wow. file for real confirmation for himself and he had a private secretary that removed a lot of the images that were really he, he's happy that he didn't have the chance to see those. And the thought that the last thing Diana saw when she was dying was paparazzi cameras flashing. Mm.
2: Which tidbit from Spare is the most unbelievable?
6: Mm.
4: The most unbelievable.
6: I can I can throw one out there, but I think Camilla turning Harry's bedroom into a closet that is fascinating. I don't. Is that the most unbelievable? report? wait, wait, stop. What happened? I think what that's happened? the most unbelievable because you have a palace
4: full of like thirty or more rooms, and you pick Harry's bedroom to turn into your own
6: personal closet. I thought she turned his That, hit, that, that can't is. Be.
2: She had a vendetta against At Clarence that child. House.
6: Right when she moved in, she had a petty, vendetta. Moved
2: the, the level of petty. Oh my god. <laughs> Which tidbit is most likely to be denied by the royal family?
4: I feel like the violence, um, you know, the fighting between the brothers, they would want to correct or have their own side of the story put out there because I think that does really reflect pretty badly on senior members of the royal family. And how much of the
2: fight do we know about? So William and Harry got into a physical fight?
4: Yeah, when that's been the big one so far, which was... um, from the Guardian's release, which is that I guess Harry and William were arguing about Megan, and and William used um, some terms that had been kind of parroted in the press, is what Harry says. And then William shoved him. He Harry landed on the dog bowl. It shattered. There were shards of glass in his back or it scraped. Why do you his have a glass
2: dog bowl? Sorry. I don't know if it was glass. Okay. Was it just plastic
6: or something? Something,
4: yeah. <laughs> something scratched his Sorry. back. His the necklace was broken. Oh yeah, yeah, Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that would be something that I think they'd want to correct. They would definitely not want the future king to look yeah. like he had been pushing someone around.
2: Yeah. Last superlative to give out for these, this book and its tidbits. Which story, which tale, which tidbit is most likely to get some actor or actress a big award?
6: I constantly say, Roberta, on the po- on our podcast, I I think Camilla needs some sort of movie <sighs> treatment. I mean, just everything that, you know, I think that everything revolving around her role in The Brothers, I think that could be a very interesting point of view to be told. I think that her plot lines within The Crown have been really interesting, and now we have this whole other side to the story. I think so. I love that idea. I also feel like some of the visuals, because I'm still really early on in my
4: reading. I know Rachel is as well, so I feel like I'm really in the early- Early years of Harry and his school days, but I feel like some of the visuals and the pictures he paints of being at Eton and Lud- Ludgrove and these are really fancy schools, I would love to see kind of that get the full Netflix treatment because I feel like it's just so interesting that like his classroom stories, his friends going to smoke cigarettes under the bridge near Windsor, like those
6: sorts of things that I'm just, it's so much information. It's like the floodgates have opened yeah. and we have I'm so also- much- I'm also kind of wondering if the Crown is suddenly going to announce like Netflix. We're extending oh, it the again, Crown's like another six season. more seasons. Let me <laughs> season tell you Season twenty. Yeah.
2: The Crown ain't never going nowhere. <laughs> you know, once we talk about all these tidbits from the book, the next logical question is. How does the royal family respond to this, if at all? You know, their whole MO we've known for years is to never really respond, but they've also been known to leak sources and gossip in the British tabloids, which they are closely tied to. What have we seen so far of the royal family's response and what do y'all expect it to be?
4: I mean, it's silence so far, and I think that's probably what they'll continue to do. I think I read somewhere that they were actually wondering if there were even more damning revelations, and they're pretty pleasantly surprised. Not pleasantly surprised, but just a sense of relief at Buckingham Palace that there's not more and that it is— It's out in the world and it's kind of their fear is finally over, I guess. And so I think that we'll just continue seeing them doing the work that they're doing with their causes. Like we're going to see William and Kate on Friday at an engagement together. So it's just work as usual for them. I am seeing,
6: though, in the papers, I am seeing some juxtaposition of headlines like Harry's assertion next to stories that breakdown. you know. According to royal sources, this episode with Camilla didn't happen. I think there was a piece in the UK Times that shared William's supposed view with, I believe it was a count of almost 11 unnamed sources. So we are, according to Harry's assertions, seeing exactly what he has described, where you're not getting name sources, but you're seeing some comment without commenting
2: one of the big questions i have with all things harry and megan right now is like what is the limit and does it exist we have seen how much these two have been everywhere for the last few years now there was the oprah interview there was the netflix special there was harry on armchair expert there were all the tv interviews and i keep saying well at some point we're just all going to get tired of it but it feels like especially given the pre-sale figures for spare that we won't. Does the limit not exist for this stuff and for our consumption of it?
4: I do think the limit exists. And I feel like we are starting to see the tides turn a tiny bit as far as American media coverage. I feel like this morning I read the New York Times review of the book and it was pretty, not scathing, but it, it wasn't super celebratory of his book. I think for as much as Harry says, he was kind of the not smart one at school and picked on and bullied. He weaves in all these like Shakespeare quotes and William Faulkner and all this stuff. And it doesn't really add up to what he's really saying with his book. And that could be because it's a ghostwriter. It's J.R. Moringer, who's very famous, who, you know, the movie and book The Tender Bar is about. So, It's interesting. I feel
6: like people are starting to get fatigued. Yeah. I think I'm also a little bit curious about what's next too, because it's like, is this going to be, they've done the docuseries, they've done the memoir or Harry's done the memoir, but we know also that it's part of a four book deal with Penguin Random House.
2: Wait, really?
6: Yes. So, oh, but we don't know no. what those other three books. What else can he say? Well, to me? L- <laughs> I know there's a it. lot of conjecture that Megan could write a memoir. There could be a wellness home. There could be um, a leadership book. There's a lot of, you know, potential with that additional, you know, part of that deal.
2: Yeah. You know, a thing I like to do because that's just where my head is whenever you see like these mega huge big celebrities or celebrity families or couples, I kind of say, all right, what purpose do they serve? Like celebrity serves a purpose for our collective psyche. And I think for a lot of people, a celebrity like Beyonce and even Jay-Z, they feel a need that Americans need filled. Like we have a president, but like no royal family. And Me and a bunch of my friends, we look up to Beyonce and those kids as if they are the American royal family. You know, when I think about the Kardashians, especially Kim, she offers this weird funhouse mirror view of like Americana. She'll take these aspects of what it means to be American and make them grotesque and reflect them back to us, right? And like, if I think that big celebrities serve a purpose for our collective psyche, What is the purpose Harry and Meghan serve for us right now? Because I can't put my finger on it, but I know they're doing something because we keep looking.
4: I feel like Harry's purpose in life, it seems like from all the interviews he's done for Spare and in the book I've read so far, is to go after the media. The media is the number one villain in his book, and he really wants to correct what he sees as this huge problem in British society, which is that... The tabloids are relentless. There's, you know, endless lawsuits from the Sussex camp about phone hacking, about Megan's private letter to her father. But it's not only that, it's, it's bigger. And Harry kind of plays into that in his book as well, even just as a child. He says that, you know, royals used to be viewed as gods, and now they're like insects. And the press says, let's see what happens when we pick off their wings. It just is, it's so, yeah, it's really dramatic.
2: Well, this is what I always find so fascinating when celebrities call themselves taking on the media. The only way they can take on the media is through the media. Mm -hmm. He relies on the media to carry his message about how the media is bad. And sometimes just me watching it from over here, it feels a bit incestuous. Mm -hmm. You hate the media, yet you're on Mm -hmm. Anderson Cooper. Mm -hmm. Well, which is it? Like, I've always said to myself, once they left the royal family, it's like, they could just go be quiet. Yes. But they don't,
4: you know? It's totally a vicious cycle. It's it's like the more that he puts out there, the more tabloid fodder and the more that they want to know about the royal family. So it, I definitely take issue with that view because I think, too, there's so many reputable journalists doing a good job in the UK. And he doesn't ever call out who those people are, what stories he approves of. And so, yeah, there's definitely problems with that, that narrative that he's pushing very hard.
2: Uh, to close, my last question for you. Uh, I didn't get to it earlier when we were going over the juiciest and most award worthy tidbits from the book, Spare. I wanna end with just a little discussion about what might've been the most petty tidbit from the book. And I want you to unpack this for me and our listeners as we depart this conversation. Megan and Kate got into a little petty fight over who got to use whose lip gloss. Please tell me what the um, hell. Happened so, there. I think
6: this please. is a cultural difference. Roberta, do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally okay, agree. Okay,
2: tell us all of it.
6: I basically think it's so American. Actually, Roberta and I were together in Boston for Earthshot. And I was thinking about this, Roberta, how we both, you, I think, didn't have lipstick right before an event we were hosting. And you're like, can yeah, I borrow yours? Yeah. And I was like, sure, no big deal. Mm-hmm. I gave it right away. Didn't think twice about it. I think that perhaps that is just something that's oh so American. But Kate was apparently, according to Harry, not so pleased with that moment when Megan requested it before their big Fab Four conference that they held where it was all those pictures together. Yeah,
4: I mean, also, was this any time around... It wasn't around COVID. No, it, it was pre COVID. I think it was 2019. There. Oh, it was pre COVID. I was going to say, I would definitely not share my lip gloss now. That makes sense to me. I guess for each
2: I share my CarMax.
4: I share you, my Car- really CarMax. Even in COVID, Sam? Like, oh even. My God.
2: Listen, if, if. Yes. I. Well, one, my CarMax does that thing where like the lids off half the time anyway so there's lint and fuzz and dog <laughs> hair on that thing anyway so if you're going to use it you can't make it any worse I That's really like don't a care. sanitation
6: in itself all that stuff that gets exactly. in
2: there. <laughs> exactly. The all right, so then if that is.
6: Oh, oh, I was going to say ahead. the description of
4: this interaction though to me is questionable too and I can't wait to get to this part in the book because I want to read it for myself in the context of everything but I do feel like what Harry describes is like Kate kind of like, sh- like shuddered or like pulled back at the idea of it And I'm like, that could be misconstrued in so many ways like maybe she had a chill or maybe she like le- I don't know like I just feel like nah I mean, had nah that she's be- dark
2: sided nope nope she's dark sided <laughs> I'm she's sorry like, I'm confused what if she
4: was on her last little bit of the tube like, what if it was like her favorite <laughs> yes. See, I think
6: that's the thing there are <laughs> it, two sides it, to every story in you
2: story. know what it feels like that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine is in the public bathroom stall oh
6: I love <laughs> that Either episode. she's
2: asking someone from toilet paper or vice versa and they're like I can't it spare it spare, spare a square <laughs> I don't have a square to spare <laughs> I need an Andy Cohen reunion special for all these little royals and I want the lip gloss to be the first item of discussion oh my goodness Thank you both so much for talking Royals with me, uh, for talking about why it matters. I won't stop watching, and I'll probably have the two of you back on this show very soon to discuss it some more. Thank
6: you, Sam. We're huge fans.
2: Uh, Thank you. Thank
6: you so much. This was so much fun.
2: Thank you, Rachel and Roberta. Listeners, go check out their podcast, Royally Obsessed. Culture Geist. Culture Geist. You're listening to Culture Geist. Culture Geist. I don't know, y'all.
1: And now for a segment we're calling Culture Culture Geist. About all the things we can't stop thinking about. The culture that's haunting you, haunting me, haunting
6: all of us, for better or worse.
0: Hey, Sam, this is Tori calling from Seattle. I realized I have had the same culture geist for over 30 years at this point. In 1992, I was seven years old and En Vogue released Funky Divas. And on that album, at the start of the first track, is an interlude of them preparing to go out on stage.
6: No, we are not warming up We're doing the song tonight, so I'm singing it.
0: They hear a knock at the door.
6: Hey, Nelson, come. I'm already dressed.
0: They say, oh, it's Nelson. And Nelson comes in and says, Hey ladies, are we ready?
2: Hi Nelson. Hey ladies, are we ready?
6: Yes, yes, I'm ready. yes. I've been ready. We need two more minutes.
0: And that has been in my brain for 30 years. I use it all the time now. I have two children, both girls. Every morning when I'm hustling them out the door to school, it's hey ladies, are we ready? I love it. Shout out to En Vogue. Shout out to Nelson. Shout out to my seven-year-old brain for retaining that all these years.
7: Hi, my name is Claire. I'm from Milwaukee. My Culture Geist is a recording of Nicole Scherzinger from the Pussycat Dolls singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina from the musical Evita by Andrew Lloyd Webber. It won't be easy you think it's strange. I remember finding this recording and being emotionally moved by it. She just had this soaring, almost operatic quality to her performance. <laughs> I'm just stunned that our culture has kind of written her off as this B-level, one-time girl group lead singer, when actually she has this tremendous, tremendous voice.
1: Don't cry for me.
7: But I can't find this recording anywhere except YouTube. I can't find it on Spotify, any other platform. I think about it on a regular basis at least a few times a year. And I thought about it again recently when Music from Avita appeared on a Spotify Throwback Thursday playlist that I listened to. And I remember thinking, why would anybody listen to... The Madonna version of this song from the movie when you could listen to a live performance of Nicole Scherzinger singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina.
5: Hey, I'm Travis Larchuk, and I help make the show that you're listening to right now. There's a show that came out on Netflix late last year called Smiley. It's a gay romantic comedy from Spain, and it has a lot in common with the Billy Eichner movie Bros that came out last year. Down to a particular scene that I can't stop thinking about. It's where the Billy Eichner type is at a straight couple's house, and their kids chant something mildly inappropriate. So here's the scene from Bros. Maybe you're both bottoms and that's a problem. I'm not always the bottom, Edgar.
6: Bottom dad! bottom dad! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
5: <laughs> and here's the scene from Smiley. This is the English dub. It's true, I don't know why you ask for my opinion if you always just follow your knob.
2: Knob, 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 <laughs> knob. Get-
5: So what is happening here? Is this a new part of the LGBT experience that just hasn't happened in my life yet? Because people on opposite sides of the Atlantic Ocean both came up with this, I presume, independent of each other. I mean, am I going to go over to my straight friend's house and their kids are just going to chant the word taint or something? I hope not.
2: Thanks again to Travis, Claire, and Tori. Got to say, I really really love these culture geists this week. Listeners, do you have a culture geist? A thing in the culture that's been haunting you for days or weeks or even years? Tell us about it. The more specific you are, the better. Just send a short voice memo at intoit@vulture.com. intoit@vulture.com. Also, if you like this show and want to support it, we could use your help. Subscribe to Intuit on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, share it with your friends. Tell your friends about this show and tell them to listen. Every little bit helps. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gaby Grossman, and Jelani Carter. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, a musical genius who I would love to see produce albums for In Vogue, as well as Nicole from the Pussycat Dolls. I would listen to it. Connor Rosen is our editorial director of audio at New York Magazine. Listeners, we are back next Thursday with a new episode. Till then, go listen to some In Vogue. Always good, always works. Trust me. All right, bye.